I want to speak to you this morning about amazing love. The greatest outpouring and demonstration of love that has ever occurred in eternity happened when Jesus Christ went to the cross and died in our place. Listen to this verse. God, Romans 5, 8. You say, well, I wonder if God loves me. Now I'm going to tell you, he loves you. Don't you ever question that. He loves you. You know why? Look what it says. God demonstrated his own love toward us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now wait a minute. God demonstrated his love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I got to thinking about God's amazing love. And this song came to me. I guess it's one of my favorite songs. It takes about three minutes. We're going to play it. But, but I want you to worship God just by saying, I'm going to obey you, Lord. As we watch this song called Amazing Love. And then we'll talk about the amazing love that Jesus, that God manifested to us when Jesus died on the cross. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. And I'm accepted. You were I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me, because you died and rose again. I'm forgiven, because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You work in I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me. Because you died and rose again. Amazing love, how can it be? my king would die for Amazing love, I know it's true. Now it's my joy to honor in all that I I'm accepted. You work in I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me. Because you died and rose 
fifth chapter of Romans, there's a greatest explanation of the amazing love of God found anywhere in the Bible. What Paul does in the fifth chapter, he goes into great detail, verses 6 through uh, 11, and tells all that was going on with us when Jesus died on the cross for us. He, he just gets and says, let, let me tell you. And so I think there are four things, maybe five. Uh, there are five things that um, he says in Romans 5 that it's just an expression of amazing love. It's about being, being saved. It's about being forgiven. It's about being accepted by God. It's by God washing your sins away with the blood of Christ and giving you the righteousness of his son. You know, here, here's the thing. Let me show you these five things here. It is the amazing love of God that Jesus died on the cross for us. Oh, this is the first one. We were, when we were helpless, we were helpless to save ourselves. We were helpless. Look, look at verse 6 on the screen. But for when we were still without strength, underline that. When we were still without strength, we, we had no power to change ourselves. We had no power to save ourselves. There was no way we could bridge the gap between holy God and our sin. We were without strength. And it is the amazing love of God that when we were without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. We were held captive by our sins. There was no way we could get back to God by our own efforts. Remember Jesus said to the Pharisees and the scribes, he told them, now, it, you, you can't, all your religion's not going to save you. All your religion's not going to get you to heaven. Now, I'm telling you. And then he said, in, in chapter five, uh, 8, verse 24, therefore I said to you, you will die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. 
you will die in your sins. And he was saying, listen, you don't have any strength to save yourself. But I'm going to die for your sins. Now, if you'll just believe in me, you won't have to die in your sin. He said, I know you have no strength. He said it again in verse 34. Jesus answered and said, most assuredly I say to you, boy, now get this. Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Boy, you know the tragedy is. The devil's a liar and he's a seducer. And he makes sin look so attractive, so attractive. It's like you buy a box of chocolates, you know. And if you're like me, I do not like but two kinds of chocolates. They got nuts in them or caramel. But I don't like it when you bite into it and it's gooey. It's just, it's just gooey. And it's kind, of, it's kind of like, well, now this looks like it's got nuts in it. And you pick it up and bite it. And you, say, oh, you spit it out and say, that, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm going to tell you, Satan just offers it to you and it all looks good. And he says, man, that's where life is. And so you reach in and you, you, take, the, you take his um, temptation and you go ahead and get, take a hold of it and, and you find out. After a few times you say, this isn't what I thought it would be. I think I'll quit. But guess what? You find out you can't quit. You find out that whoever commits sin becomes the slave of sin. And so to to say it was the amazing love of God that when we were without strength, without strength, sinners, a slave of sin, that Christ died for us. In Ephesians 2, chapter 2, verse 1, and you he made alive. You, were, you, you had no strength. You were dead. You were dead. You couldn't save yourself. And you he made alive in, uh, who were in trespasses and sin. And, and in verse, uh, I'm not going to read the second verse. In verse 11, it goes on and says, Therefore remember that you were once Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, That at that time, here's where we were. We were without strength now. This is amazing love. That when we were without strength, Christ died for us. That at that time, you were without Christ. You were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Strangers from the covenants of promise. Having no hope. Wow. And without God in this world. You know, amazing love. Jesus Christ went to the cross and died in our place when we were without strength. There's one other verse I want to use along there. Titus 3, verses 5 through 7. You say, well, Brother Fred, I I, I think I got a little strength. I think I can can work it out. No, you can't. No, you can't. Well, I, I think I can get on top. No, you can't. You're never going to be right with God. You're never going to be able to live a righteous life apart from Jesus Christ. So look what it says. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, 
he saved us. According to, through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. You know, here's amazing love. When we were without strength, Christ died for us. Now, here's the second thing. It's all found in Romans 5. See, the amazing love of God is seen in that when we were, were helpless and without strength, Christ died for us. Now, this, this is going to trouble you, but then it won't trouble you after I explain it to you. Amazing love was Christ died for us when we were enemies of God. She a brother friend. I, I've never been an enemy of God. Well, maybe not knowingly saying, you know, I'm going to be an enemy of God. But the Bible says we were. Look at this verse on the screen. See, we were not God's friend the way we were living. We were not his friend. And so we were his enemies. It says, for if when we were enemies, now this is the Bible now. This is the word of God. And he's talking about the amazing love of Jesus dying for us. See, it's bad news, but it's, it's wonderful news. You got bad news, but then you got wonderful news. If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We were enemies, but Christ died for us. And even when we were enemies of God, he died for us so that we could be saved by his life. You know, you wonder what kind of shape lost people are in, people who don't know Jesus. You wonder what kind of condition America's in. I'm going to read a few verses here, but I want you to look at them and, and let them get into your mind, and you'll understand that we were enemies of God before we got saved. It begins in verse 9. It says, what then? Are we better than they? Not at all. We have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they were under sin. Now, now look what he says. It is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. Nobody's ever been righteous enough to get into heaven in their own righteousness. The only way is through Christ. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's really none that understands. That seek, there's none that seeks after God. You've you, you got to understand, it was God that was seeking you. It wasn't you seeking God. He may, have, he may have sought you in this way or that way or the other way. <laughs> Let me show you how sometimes God seeks us. Uh, it's just a little thing. Uh, the son said to his mother and maybe to his dad, why don't we go to church? It was like a dagger that went to their heart. And they said, you know, they looked at each other, said, we're going to church tomorrow. See, it was God seeking them when the little boy said, why don't we go to church? That was the hand of God. It says here, they're all turned aside. They have all together become unprofitable. There's none that does good. No, not one. Did you know God will orchestrate circumstances in your life to bring you to the end of yourself so that you'll come to Jesus? One of the greatest things people have ever told me, I was not a good counselor at all. I was a good listener. 
you know, and so I just listened, you know, and, and, and then I said, amen, and, you know, but anyway, let me just say one thing. You know, you don't have to be. One of the greatest things people would ever tell me when they come to me, Brother Fred, I'm at the end of my rope. I said, praise God. He's been trying to get you there for years. Now let go and take hold of Jesus and let Jesus take hold of you. See, God will orchestrate your circumstances. He says, there's none that understands. There's none that seeketh after God. And you keep reading in Romans chapter 3, it says, their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. My goodness. This is a picture of people that are away from God. Picture of people who are enemies of God. Their mouth is swift, is full of bitterness, uh, full of cursing, and swift to shed blood. Their, their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. This is all the word of God, by the way. And look at this. All right, now I want you to remember this statement. When sin has run its course in the life of an individual, they always end up right here. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That is a dangerous place to be. But it doesn't start out there. It started out up there when there was none, none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understands, that seeks after. So here's the, here's the amazing love. That while we were still sinners, that when we were enemies of God, when we were enemies of God, that Jesus Christ died in our place. Now, because Jesus died in our place, we can be the friend of God. Let me give you some verses that show you how that when you meet Christ, what the work of the cross does. It is amazing love that while we were without strength, Christ died for us. It's amazing love that when we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. But let me just say one thing. When Jesus comes into our life, we're no longer enemies of God. We're a friend of God. It says in Colossians chapter, verse, chapter 1, verse 19 through 22, It pleased God that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, whether things in earth, things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. So when Jesus died, even though you're an enemy, he died to reconcile you to God, to reconcile you to God. And then there's John 14, 18. You know, <laughs> this is amazing. Jesus is about to leave, and he's going to, he says, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to leave. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to come and be in you. Now, we've been reconciled to God. He says, Jesus, look. He said, I won't leave you orphans. He said, I'm going away back to my Father. The Holy Spirit's going to come and live in you. But the disciples were just all troubled because he was leaving. He said, wait a minute. Time out. I am not going to leave you an orphan. Why are you living like you're an orphan, by the way, if you're a child of God? A child of God is no orphan. I mean, you have a heavenly Father that loves you and is for you and understands you and will never let go of you. I'm not going to call you orphans. I will come to you.
And he did in the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on, and, and you see what happens? We were enemies of God. Jesus died, and so he reconciled us to God. And now it says here, look at verse 15 of John 14. You are my friends. Oh, I went from being an enemy to being a friend. From an enemy to being a friend. That's amazing love. That's amazing love. That when we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. And now we are rec can be reconciled. And now we can be a friend of God. In 1 John 3, 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. Good news. Good news. If you are saved this morning, if Jesus Christ lives in you and your, your life has been changed, you are a new creation in Christ. I want to tell you, you are a friend of God and you are a child of God. You are not an enemy of God. Here's the third thing. It's amazing love that when we were without strength that Christ died for us. It's amazing love that while we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. It's amazing love that while we were still sinners, we were reconciled to God. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But God commended, chapter 5, verse 8, God commended his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were without strength, Jesus died for us. We were enemies of God, Jesus died for us. And we were still sinners, and Jesus died for us. You know, you never know how God's going to use something. And, and I heard, uh, I don't know who I heard say this, but I never forgot it, so I say it quite often. Jesus did not see you at your best and go to the cross and die for you. Jesus saw you when you were at your absolute wicked worst and still went to the cross and died in your place. Well, and that's true. He didn't say, well... He's doing pretty good now. I think I'll die for him. He looked at him and said, he ain't never going to do any good without me. And he saw me at my worst and died for me. I said that on a Sunday. Wednesday, I was walking out of the church. There was a young man that had been coming to our church for many, many years. He sang in the choir. Every now and then, I see his picture on Facebook or other things. I knew the lifestyle that he came out of. I, I knew but he'd really been saved. He said, Brother Fred, I just couldn't get over the guilt. I couldn't get beyond my past. It seemed like I'd grow, but then I'd be reminded of what I was. But you know, when you said that Jesus saw me at my worst and died, still died for me, God lifted that off of me, and I said, well, praise God. If he saw me at my worst and died for me, then the blood of Jesus is surely sufficient to take care of my sin. Man, that's amazing love that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Here's the next one, number four. It is amazing love that while we were without strength, Christ died for us. 
It's amazing love that while we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. By the way, this is all right in the Bible here. It is amazing love that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But it's amazing love that when we were under the wrath of God, under the wrath of God, Christ died for us. Let me show you a verse. Romans 5, 9. All right, look, look at this now. Some people say God is love, and then you say, but also the other side of God's love is God's wrath. Well, no, 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 no. God's all love and not wrath. Then you've got to throw half the Bible away, okay? Much more, having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from, say the word, We'll be saved from wrath, the wrath of God. Oh, my God. We will be saved from wrath through him. You know, the wrath of God is real. But Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood and suffered and died so that you would not have to endure the wrath of God. I don't know where I first heard this, but somebody, um, may have been Ed Lacey, I can't remember, but I remember this. Somebody said, well, um, where in the Bible is the greatest description of hell so that you can really understand it? And the answer is, the greatest description and the greatest Truth about what hell is seen on the cross. That's no question. For example, on the cross, Jesus experienced four things. Every one a picture, a description of hell. Hell is a place where you are separated from your loved ones. Now, how do I know that? Well, over in John chapter 19, Jesus was on the cross. Now, why did he do this? Hell's a place where you're eternally separated from your loved ones. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple he loved, John, standing by him at the cross, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. I'm going to be separated from you. And then he said to John, then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Some of the greatest joys in the world is when somebody has left this earth and you stand over them and over their casket and know, man, they're in heaven. They're in heaven. And praise God, I'll see them again. And I'll spend eternity with them. But oh, the tragedy is, if a person dies without Christ, they go to hell. And they are forever separated from their loved ones. That's why Jesus went through this thing. I'm fixed to be separated from you. Here's your son. Hey, for hell is when you're forever separated from your loved ones. But there was the second thing that Jesus experienced on the cross. In John 19, 28, he said, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I Thirst. Well, why did he do that? That's a picture of hell. 
Hell is a place of unquenchable thirst. Now you remember, I'm just, now this is all from Jesus. The rich man died and in hell he lifted up his eyes and Lazarus the beggar was in the bosom of Abraham and he said, uh, 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 God, Jesus, send somebody back here. So, no, no, what he first thing he said was, let somebody go tell my five brothers unless they come to this place. They're, lost people are more concerned about people going to hell than sometimes we on earth are. He said, well, will you have somebody go back and tell my five brothers lest they come to this place? But then he said, well, if you can't come here and you can't, would you have Lazarus dip his finger in some water and put it on my tongue? You know, hell is a place of unquenchable thirst. That's why Jesus on the cross he thirsted so you would never have to thirst. He was separated for a while from his mother. So you'll never have to be separated from your loved ones. So he came to save us from the wrath of God. But the fourth thing you see about hell on the cross was that it was not only a place where people are separated from eternally from their loved ones. It is not only a place of unquenchable thirst, but it is a place of unending darkness now man i'm telling you it's unending darkness matthew 27 45 from the sixth hour until the ninth hour that's when he was on the cross dying from the sixth hour till the ninth hour there was darkness over the land oh it was dark you know I can, I can handle the dark as long as I know that I can, eventually I'm going to have some light. I can turn on the light or, or get a flashlight or something. But you know, wouldn't it be bad if you were in a place of darkness and you knew there would never again be any light? Man. unbelievable eternal dark ever the bible says they were cast into everlasting darkness then there was one other thing remember i told you that jesus saved us when we were with jesus amazing love is that christ died for us when we were without strength amazing love is that christ died for us when we were enemies of god and amazing love is that Christ died for us when we were still sinners. But oh, it's amazing love that Christ died for us to save us from the wrath to come. I put it this way. Jesus experienced hell so you would never have to. I mean, he, he went through hell so you'd never have to go to hell. But you know, this, this last one, Remember Jesus on the cross in John 20, Mark, Matthew 27, 46, he said, About the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Now, I want you to listen to these words. They're so, they're, they're so, sound so hopeless. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Forsaken by God. 
Now the father is just for a, a brief moment that because of all the sin of the world that was placed on Jesus. It's not. It's kind of like the father, and I don't know if this is a good analogy. Maybe it's not. It's like he turned his back because he's holy. And Jesus felt forsaken. He said, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, there are people today that say, well, I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with God. I'm not interested in God. I'm not interested in Jesus. I'm not interested in the Bible. I want to live for myself, do my own thing. You go do what you're going to do, but I am not interested in it at all. I could care less. I'm going to tell you something. Can you hear them in hell crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Oh, he didn't forsake them. They forsook him and his result ended because hell is a God-forsaken place. A God-forsaken place. If you don't want to have anything to do with God, you can do that. But there will come a time when you will be forsaken by God. I don't know why God brought this to me, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. I had not even thought about it. When the, when the three planes, flew, two of them flew in the towers and one in the Pentagon, somebody cried out and asked, well, where was God in all of this? <laughs> somebody answered, oh, we'd already taken him out of schools. We'd already taken him out of public places. We'd always said there couldn't be. He said, oh, you, you know, we took God out of everything. Why are you asking me where God was? Just think about that. Hey, listen, if, we don't, if America doesn't want God, God says, okay, 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 if that's what you want. The worst thing God could ever do is let, turn you over to yourself and turn a nation over to itself and let it be God forsaken. I'm telling you, God has the final word, y'all. And he loved us so much that Jesus did everything he could to keep us out of hell. But I'm going to tell you something. If America thumbs its nose thumbs its nose in the face of God enough, God will say, okay. That's it. And it says, and God gave them up. God gave them up to their own desires. The worst judgment of God is for God to give you up. Well, I got plenty of time, Brother Fred. I'm going to sow my seeds, and we're going to reap what you sow. You know, okay, so Jesus came. Amazing love. <laughs> Amazing love. He came to save us from the wrath to come. Now look at 1 Thessalonians 1.10 on the screen. See, th this is a great, you know, people say, we're going to experience the wrath of God if you're saved. You're going to, under, you're going to experience the wrath of God if you're saved then what did they do with this verse? And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. That is amazing love. I deserve hell. But praise God for mercy and for grace. And thank God, God's amazing love that Jesus died for us. And when he was there, he said, I am saving. I'm going to make it possible for them to be saved from the wrath to come.
You know, and here, here's the, um, the last one. Let me just go back. and Amazing love is that Jesus Christ died for us when we were without strength. Amazing love when he died for us when we were enemies of God. Amazing love that he died with us while we were still sinners. And amazing love that he died for us to save us from the wrath to come. But you know, he saved us. Amazing love is that Jesus died on the cross so we could have life. Look at Romans 5.10. All of this is in the fifth chapter of Romans and 6 to 10. Look at what it says. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled. Listen to this. I love it. See, it's good news. If when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Hallelujah. You know what? Jesus not only washes your sins away, takes your sin nature and puts it to death on the cross. Jesus Christ comes to live in you in the person of the Holy Spirit, and he gives you life. He gives you life. He, listen, he died so that we could have life. We were here, and we were dead in trespasses and sin. We couldn't save ourselves. So Jesus said, man, they need life. The Father said they need life. And so he came and died on the cross, and he gave himself so that, and the Bible says, we are saved by his life. And the awesome thing is, because of the amazing love of Jesus dying for us, Christ can come to live inside of us in the person of the Holy Spirit. I love Galatians 2.20. I love it. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Man, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ that lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me from my sin and from the wrath to come. But I, I, I needed life. And thank you, Jesus, that you are my life. And you're the life of every one of your children. You're the life of every believer. You're the life of every believer. If anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old thing. If you're in Christ, old things have passed away and all things have become new. What an awesome word. And it says over in Colossians 1.27, Christ in you. Look at it. For God willing to make known what are the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. You, the hope of glory. Folks, I can't live the Christian life. I am telling you, I cannot do it. But God never said I could. He said to you and to me, die to yourself. Let Jesus Christ take his rightful place on the throne of your heart. And ask, God, ask me, the Father to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And so Christ comes to live in us in the person of the Holy Spirit and the power to live the Christian life is Christ in us. That's what, See, I, I was on the way up here today driving to, I didn't have but about a mile to drive uh, from my house. And I was driving, though, and I was just thinking, man, uh, it, it's, it's Christ in us. We can't do it in our own power. We can't. You quit struggling and quit striving and, 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 because it's Christ in you. 
That is the hope of glory. It is Christ in you. It's his life in you that gives you victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. Praise God. It's not me, but it's Christ in me. That's the same thing it is for you. You see, that's amazing love that he died to get so that we might live. So that we might live. I want to just read these two verses. Romans 8, 9 through 11. For you, no, here it is. For you're not in the flesh. Now, this is written to Christians. Not religious people, but to Christians. People who've repented of their sin, turned from their sin, and Christ has come into their life, and they are changed. They are not perfect. Before they were running to sin, now they're running from sin. Before they were feeding the flesh, now they're crucifying the flesh. So, I mean, I'm talking about, this is for believers. It says, you're not in the flesh. You're in the Spirit. This is the Word of God. If the Spirit of God dwells in you, now if anybody does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ is in you, hallelujah, and he is, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the, oh my goodness, the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Now I'm all excited about Jesus came out of the tomb, aren't you? And not, not, not this coming Sunday, but the next Sunday, the, uh, what, it's, the 20th, it's the 16th, I believe. Well, we're going to have four great songs. Lord have mercy. We'll all get raptured before I ever get to preach. I'm telling you, it's going to be good. We got some songs. But look what it is. What excites me about the resurrection means that Jesus can come and live in me. Listen, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwells in you. Our life comes from the spirit of Christ that dwells in us. Man, that's good news. That's good news. 